1: If you could go with me Back to where I started from The love of God.
0: i we'll to take a few minutes and just emphasize and speak about the love of God. When I approach the topic, it's humbling because how can you, as a human being, talk about How can we really know much about the love of God? The Bible said, for God, in John 3, 16, the greatest lover so loved the greatest degree. God has loved us. I have not been able to put my mind around the love of God. God does not have to explain his love and and really does not explain his love. God demonstrates his love in Jesus Christ. If you want to know the love of God, you look at Calvary and read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and read the love of God. That's what you're seeing for you. God does not love and as a secondary reaction to you or to me. He loves because that's who he is. It's not added to him, it is who he is. In 1 John 4:8, it says, For he that love. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In first John four ten it says herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. That word propitiation means to cover. I'm glad God is the Father looks at me through Jesus Christ and that love demonstrated for me. In 1 John 4, 16, he says, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Have you ever pictured, and I hope you have in your mind, that God, in some degree, we being made in the image of God, we have some understanding of who he is and his longing for you and for me. The Bible says the Spirit of God lusteth to envy. He lusteth to envy. God wants you. I I came across this years ago, a a letter. It's kind of as if written by a human, of course, but in trying to get a grip on on how God, God loves us, this letter was penned, and I want to read it for you exactly as it's penned. I had to write to tell you how much I love you and care for you. Yesterday, I saw you walking and laughing with your friends. I hoped that soon you'd want me to walk along with you too. So I painted you a sunset to close your day and whispered a cool breeze to refresh you. I waited. You never called. I just kept on loving you. As I watched you fall asleep last night, I wanted to touch you. I spilled moonlight on your face, trickling down your cheeks, as so many tears have. You didn't even think of me. I wanted so much to comfort you. The next day, I exploded a brilliant sunrise and a glorious morning for you, but you woke up late, rushed off to work. You didn't even notice. My sky became cloudy. My tears were the rain. I love you. Oh, if you'd only listen. I really love you. I try to say it in the quiet of a green meadow and the blue sky. The wind whispers my love throughout the treetops and spills into the vibrant colors of all the flowers. I shout it to you in the thunder of great waterfalls and compose love songs for birds to sing to you. I warm you with the clothing of my sunshine and perfume the air with nature's sweet scent. Today, on the way home, it was a few thousand acres of orange blossoms. And I live in the middle of a massive orange grove. And I smelled that, and I said, Thank you, God. Thank you. My love for you is deeper than any ocean greater than any need in your heart if you'd only realize how I care. Life is a journey, a testing ground, incubation time, a time to set and to see what you really are made of, where your loyalties lie, where your heart is, what you really love. Will you serve yourself in this life? Will you hoard your prosperity? Will you turn inward instead of outward? Will you grow more bitter as trouble comes, meaner rather than more forgiving and more kind? Will your knowledge and fellowship with God deepen and widen with time? Or will it weaken and dry up? Many of you have read about Corrie Ten Boom in World War II and how and what she did to help the Jews eventually go into concentration camp herself. And in that book, The Hiding Place, and if you haven't read it, I highly recommend you get it, read it. It'll encourage you. There was a section there about forgiveness. Having been forgiven all of my sins through Jesus Christ, who am I to not forgive everybody in every direction? I mean, think about it. Think of the insult it is to God, to Jesus Christ, who has forgiven you all your sins, straight up, undeserving, everything. And yet when people sin against me, I find it hard to forgive them. I will hold the, I will want to get revenge. Can you imagine that? I want to get revenge. It'll want to well up in me. And then I I feel ashamed of myself. I think, "My bill had Jesus taken vengeance upon you, you would have been a cinder a long time ago and relegated to a place called hell forever." I ran across this section of her book, and I want to read it to you. It says, Corey Ten Boom shares a story in her book, A Hiding Place. It was a church service in Munich that I saw him, the former SS man who had stood guard in the shower room in the processing center at Ravensbrück. He was the first of our actual jailers that I had seen since that time. And suddenly, it was all there the room full of mocking men, the heaps of clothing, Betsy's pain-blanched face. He came up to me as the church was emptying, beaming and bowing. How grateful I am for your message, Fraulein, he said, to think as you say he has washed my sins away. His hand was thrust out to shake my hand, and I who had preached so often to the people The need to forgive kept my hand by my side. Even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. Jesus Christ had died for this man. And was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive him. I tried to smile. I struggled to raise my hand. I could not. I felt nothing. Not the slightest spark of warmth or charity. And so again, I breathed a silent prayer, Jesus, I cannot forgive him. Please give me your forgiveness. As I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder along my arm through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him. While into my heart sprang a love for this stranger that almost overwhelmed me. And so I discovered that it is not on our forgiveness any more than on our goodness that the world's healing hinges, but on his. When he tells us to love our enemies, he gives along with the command the love itself. The next song is As You Sail the Heaven Shore. Are you growing like the one you adore? Amy Carmichael, in expressing her desire to become like the Lord Jesus, said If in dealing with one who does not respond, I weary of the strain and slip from under the burden, then I know nothing of Calvary's love. If I have not the patience of my Savior with souls who grow slowly, if I know little of travail till Christ be fully formed in them, then I know nothing of Calvary's love. Love, if I avoid being plowed under with all that such plowing entails of rough handling, isolation, uncongenial situations, strange tests, and I know nothing of Calvary's love. Second Corinthians 5.14, it says, For the love of Christ constraineth us. Not our love, but the love of Christ, which he gives us as believers, constrains us. I believe that through Christ you can love everyone and anyone. And I know that God himself will test us. Ephesians 3.19 says to know the love of Christ with passive knowledge that she might be filled with all the fullness of God. (laughs) Trust that Jesus Christ himself loves you and demonstrated has demonstrated this to you. When a storm comes, that will be where you flee. You do not love somebody. You do not trust. Trust and love are married. When trouble comes, and it will, when God tests you, and he will, to see where your love is, you'll flee to the one that you trust. If it's drugs, you'll flee to drugs. If it's pleasure, you'll flee to pleasure. If it's money, you'll flee to money. If it's Jesus, you'll flee to Jesus. You can trust him. He'll never let you down. I've heard a lot of Christians through the years testify of their relationship and their walk with Christ, but I've never heard one say, Jesus, he failed me. Now, I've heard backslidden Christians sometimes in their in their pain say, oh, God doesn't, but they don't understand the big picture. But when they get to the end, it, I've never known an old Christian say, God failed me in my life. Romans chapter 9, verse 33 says, As it is written, behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone, a rock of offense, and whosoever believeth in him should not be ashamed. As for me in my house, like so long ago, Joshua said, I want to serve the Lord. I'll choose Jesus over all the kings that have reigned, all the lords that have governed, all the prophets that have spoken, all the priests that have served, and all the nobles that have ruled. I'll trust Jesus. I don't trust an institution. They come and go. I trust Jesus and the Word of God. He'll be the one By the grace of God that I run to and I hope he is the one you run to. Hudson Taylor once noted, God uses men who are weak and feeble enough to lean on him. There's no shame to go into Jesus. There's no shame when the Holy Spirit comes by you make your way to the front and say, God, I need help. There's awful shame in not and having your pride keep you away from God. Jesus Christ gives us a hiding place in the storms of this world. I can almost go to anybody here tonight and say a storm's coming. You say, Brother Bill, do you know something? I I just know a storm's coming. Why? Because storms come. And they come. And they come. And God gives you a little respite in between the storms, doesn't he? But you go to him in those storms, and where where does a sailor learn to sail? On the smooth sea? No, sailors are made in the middle of the storm. In the rough sea, when the wind and the gale force winds are blowing them around and tossing them around, that's when sailors and their skill is honed. I haven't been on the water, so I say amen. It's the testings that do not break you. They just show what's there. And help you lean on him. Lean on Jesus. Give him everything. And he'll be your hiding place. Are you trusted in Jesus tonight? Have you given him your life? Do you know for sure that you're saved? Do these songs mean something to you? Do the words mean something? Do you have a relationship? I hope you do. Father, we pray tonight that your Holy Spirit would work through these things that were said and spoken, through the songs that were sung. We pray, Father, that as born-again believers, this may not be a religion, Oh my, it may not be cold, but it may be warm with fire from above. Father, help those here tonight that are struggling, some coming out of the storm, some in the midst of a good, clear sky, some entering into a storm even tonight. We pray, Father, that you'd help your people, and we know you will. We thank God that you've given us your for, your ability to forgive that we don't have to walk around embittered one towards another but that we will forgive as we have been forgiven all of our sin. Help us to love one another. Oh, Father, may the world look at us and say they've got something because of the way they love each other. Oh, Father, may we not just love in word, but may we love in deed. May we help each other in every way we are given opportunity to help. May, Father, you keep the evil one from our presence. and May you build your church. That the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Help us to go out into the highways and hedges this week and compel them to come in. And share what Jesus has done for us and how He's given us eternal life. We pray, Father, that you'd empower your people, that you'd cleanse them and help them. You'd help the discouragement. You would help the depression that some may be struggling with and that you would deliver them as they lean on Jesus. Unable to do it, but trusting you are able, and indeed you are. Father, help us. We love you. We thank you.
1: In Jesus' name, amen.